Amen. You know, in having those words of the song we just sang will be true, certainly we'll be in broken praise and so good. Listen, I don't know where to... Thanking you guys uh, for your love and for your support for 20 years of ministry. It doesn't seem um, much over two years, but uh, I know it has been, and when I look at each one of you, I think about different thoughts about your family, about different things that you've gone through, and that uh, Jack and I have had the privilege, sometimes a heartbreak, to kind of walk alongside you some of those times, and we're so thankful that you let us into your lives in that way, and that uh, you open your heart, your homes to us, and you've been more than just kind, but you've been generous, and You've been uh, brothers and sisters. And we can't begin to tell you how much we thank you. Uh, little did I know that we were going to come here this morning and have such a great uh, breakfast and celebration. As a matter of fact, Jackie bought me a new shirt, but she really didn't know that anything special was going to happen. And so I guess it's just God being providential as he is that uh, he gives us this kind of blessing. So, uh, But thank you guys so very much for... Uh, for all the great things. You've stood behind and beside our family through so much as well. And we're so thankful for you guys and how you blessed us. Um, I can't, if I don't get to the message, I'm not going to stop. So Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, one of the things that we looked at a few weeks ago was the fact that we're connected to Jesus Christ because we're a part of the body of Christ. And uh, the testimonies that we share together is brothers and sisters in Christ or stories about the body, about what's happened in the life of the church. And so uh, we're so thankful. Uh, I appreciate uh, uh, the story that Brother John shared. Uh, that's just one, and uh, not, not about me, but about... Uh, I know some stories about you guys, too, <laughs> that uh, uh, I'm grateful for. I'm not sharing today because of time, but, uh, uh, but those memories that we make together as a church family are what's so important. And so for the last several weeks, we've been looking at things that affirm us in our Christian relationship, how that who we are in Jesus Christ really does matter, how that knowing our identity in Jesus Christ helps us to be able to be stronger in our faith, to be able to weather the storms that life produces or that comes along in life, uh, that, that they help us to be able to stand against those times when our enemy, uh, the devil, is coming strong against us because we know who we are. We have identity and purpose in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, one of those things that Scripture reveals, or another one that it reveals about who you are or who we are together as believers, is that we're a citizen of heaven. Now, I get really excited about that because heaven's a place that I know you as well as I do, that I long to see. Uh, my imagination can get carried away when I turn it toward heaven because there's such majesty and such expectation and so many wonderful things. I think Paul probably summed it up better than anything when he said this. He said, eyes not seen, <clears throat> nor, entered, nor, nor ears heard, nor has anything entered into the heart of man the things which, is God, which God has prepared for us. So we've never seen or heard or thought about uh, the things in the magnitude that God will reveal to us one day. In other words, as far as your imagination can carry you about heaven, 
then that's not the end. That's really only the beginning because our imagination is probably limited, but God's power and majesty is infinite. And so to be a citizen of that place is amazing. To think about that our future is there in heaven with Jesus Christ is truly amazing. And so Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, and I want us to look at a few verses, but understand that citizenship also has responsibility. Uh, We're citizens of the United States, and because of that, we have certain responsibilities. Uh, Some of them we like, some of them we don't like so well. Some of them we like about the fact that we live in a free country, that we can pretty much do as we please, but sometimes we don't always like that tax thing, do we, that we have to pay. But yet there's responsibilities as well as privilege of being a citizen of a place, and Paul described that very thing. Uh, You see, Philippi was a Roman colony. The city that Paul was writing this and where the church was was a Roman colony. A Roman colony, it was... It really, all the people of that colony were declared free. Now, listen, in Paul's day and in ancient times, to be free was a big thing. Uh, And so they were all declared free. It carried a great honor along with it. Uh, Because they were a colony, they owed their allegiance to Rome. And every Philippian would tell you, my citizenship is in Rome. Now, when Paul began to describe citizenship, they understood what he was talking about in the context of their own citizenship. You see, for us to be a citizen of heaven, we're saved by grace and we're free in Christ. I don't know about you, but that carries the the greatest of all honor, doesn't it? To be thought about that way by Jesus Christ, to be purchased by His very own blood, it carries tremendous honor, unbelievable honor. And so we owe our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And so we can say, as Paul does, our citizenship is in heaven. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. He says, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we love You and thank You today for the privilege and the joy of being called a citizen of heaven. Father, I thank you for this amazing church family that love you and that gather to serve you and to learn about you. Then go out into the world and live out that life and that understanding. And so, Father, I pray this morning as we think about what it means to be a citizen, a citizen of heaven, someone who's a part of your kingdom is truly the greatest of great blessings in our life. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you'll open again these words and these scriptures to us, that you'll press these scriptures deep in our hearts and our thoughts, that as we think about ourselves and see ourselves in terms of being a citizen, that how, how encouraging that is and how much strength that that gives to our life. 
Father, I pray that you'll use these words to lift us up in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, first of all, if you'll note with me that Paul begins to talk about this citizenship thing, about what an honor and a joy it is, but he talks about uh, the lifestyle of our citizenship. Now, if you say uh, around the world that uh, if you're traveling somewhere, we've had it happen to us in Romania, that uh, if you, they say, uh, where are you from? And, and immediately they recognize we're not from there, by the way. Uh, but uh, they say, hey, where are you from? <laughs> kind of like going to our northern state. No. But they ask you, they ask you, where are you from? And we tell them, you know, we're from the United States, we're from America. Then all of a sudden they realize that that carries with it a certain idealism, a certain lifestyle, a certain way of living, because they, they've come to understand that. And so in this lifestyle as a citizenship or citizenship, citizen of heaven, that we need to realize that God has an expectation of a certain kind of lifestyle, that he wants his subjects or those that are loyal to him or those that are a part of his kingdom to live a certain way. That's his expectation. He really uh, lays that out in Scripture. We don't have time to look at all those, but we're going to look at some of them. Uh, but one of the things is that we have to understand that we represent heaven, that we are represent our heavenly allegiance here on earth. Uh, Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ. And so as we think about that, even though we live here on this earth, we live in the United States, that we still represent and our allegiance belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to develop that mindset and live that way every day because it really kind of develops a lifestyle. Now, first of all, if you look at verse 17, Paul gives us a positive example. I really like to be reinforced by positive examples, right? If I want to learn something, it helps. Uh, and so he gives us one. He says in verse 17, he says, Brethren, join in following my example. Wow, what a challenge Paul says. You know what Paul's saying? Look at me. He goes on and says in verse 17, And note those who so walk as you have us for patterns. Paul says, look at me and look at those who look like me. How many of us would want to go out in the world today and say, Listen, I'm a Christian. All you have to do to know everything there is to know about Christianity is look at me and find other people that act like me and, look, and act like them. What a humbling thing, isn't it? But yet we are examples. Good or bad, we're examples. Right or wrong, we're examples. And so Paul reminds us of that very thing. Now when you think back, what, what, so Paul says, hey, look at me. Well, what do we need to look at? L let's just consider Philippians alone, this short book that Paul writes. What does he say about himself, or what does he reveal about himself that you and I could kind of pull from to be an example? Well, look back in chapter 1. Follow me back in chapter 1, look at verse 20. He says, according to my earnest expectation... And hope that in nothing I shall, shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. As for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Wow, what an example. Paul says, listen, you want to know how, what it is to be a citizen, uh, a citizen of heaven? He says, here's what you need to know. You've got to lay your life down. You have to lay, be willing to lay your life down for Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul also kind of encourages us in the sense because he says if we do lay our life down, then there's gain. As for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. So one of those things Paul says, here's your pattern. Are you ready to lay your life down for Jesus Christ? Listen, if we ask ourselves that sincerely here today, 
You know, wh- wh- what do we come up with? You know, some of us may say, well, I think so. Or I really don't know if I am or not. Or, or it really depends on how you want me to lay my life down, whether or not I'm ready to lay my life down. Well, let me give you another one. Look at chapter 2. He says this in chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Paul says, hey, here's another example of being a citizen of heaven. Are you ready to lay your life down? And are you ready to lay your life down for others? Are you ready to make other people around you a priority in your life? Even at the expense of your own life? Wow. Well, it gets better. Chapter 3. Paul didn't quit. Gives us lots of examples. Listen to what he says in chapter 3. Well, let me back up in chapter 2, verse 17. He says this, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, listen, if my life's being poured out for you, then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 4. Paul gets even deeper into this thing. Wow, it's more difficult than citizenship. Don't renounce your citizenship, okay? All right. Listen, listen to what he says in verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, I... Uh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm, much, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. He's saying all of my all of my aspirations, all of the plans that I used to have before I came to Jesus Christ, I've really discovered have no value if it holds me back from my pursuit of Jesus Christ. One more positive example in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things, are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says all the notoriety that I had in the past is in the past. He says I'm pressing on to a new call. A greater call. That upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us his positive way to, to live out our, 
our citizenship here on earth. Well, he doesn't stop there. Back to our text. Because he also now gives us a negative example. He says, Paul says, do this, right? And don't do this. He says in verse 19, he says, for... He goes on to say in verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And then he goes on and gets some other description. Paul's saying, listen, here's, here's what you need to guard against. Here's what you need to be warned about. Here's here's what not to do if you're a citizen of heaven. You see, he describes their mission in life. People who are outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and the reason I say that, the reason I think Paul gives that to us, is that there, there is a possibility that you and I, as part of the believers in the body of Christ, can, can look a lot like the world and not much like a citizen of heaven. We can look more like a citizen of this world and not so much like a citizen of heaven. So Paul distinguishes the two. And, and he really lays down someone who's outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Their mission for life. Their mission for life is they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Have you ever seen a day that you've been alive when there's been so much opposition to Christianity in the public arena? Have you ever seen a time where on every corner, everything, you can't touch anything much that doesn't have some form or message of opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no matter what, almost how many news stories, how many things that are coming out, how, how many um, companies, or how many institutions here on earth that are standing in direct opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross, to the message of Christianity. We live in that world today. And so we live in a world today where much of this world's mission is to oppose God. And that's where we're living. If we're not careful, some of that can rub off on us. You know, another thing that he says, not only does he talk about their mission uh, in life, but also he talks about their motivation in life. He, he says in verse 19, whose, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and who glories in their shame. Paul, Paul's saying here, it, it, this is what motivates them, is that they want to, you know, the, the, their God is their belly, is a description of their desires. Uh, desires to do what they want to do, however they want to do it, But don't we live in a day today where really that that much of the world that we live in is is really driven by getting what I want? You know, or getting what I need? Uh, Who would have ever thought that you could order something today and 11 hours get it at home? Because I want what I want. I want it fast. Right? Uh, and, and, And I want it to be there when I need it. So we're driven that way. We're driven by wanting things that please ourselves. Uh, so we have to be careful of that in the church because if we take on that mantle, that mindset in our own lives, then all of a sudden we, we don't represent our citizenship because we're motivated by the things of this life. Now one other thing that Paul says, not only their mission and their motivation, but also he really kind of strikes the meaning of life for someone Who's, uh, who's outside this relationship with Jesus Christ, he said, who set their mind on earthly things. You see, here's 
kind of what meaning becomes to someone uh, who's all about themselves. It becomes about pursuing what makes them powerful or what makes them famous or what provides the most possessions. You say, what are you talking about? Nobody in Ray County can be famous. I want to tell you what, the internet today, and as crazy as you want to get, you can be famous. And I don't want to I've seen a lot of people be maimed and hurt and uh, changed for life because of some of the things they try to get famous with. Right? But we live in a world today where it's possible to be instantly famous. And boy, there's a powerful attraction to that for many people. And so they'll do the most silly, ridiculous, foolish things to be able to get some notoriety or notice brought to themselves. And so we have to be careful not to to do that because the, the things that Paul says on the positive sense is, is that it's not about us, but it's about others. And, and on the other side of that is that it's not about others, it's about us. And so that's what defines the line of whether or not we're effective representatives of citizenship that we have in heaven. Now, real quickly, let me give you a second thing. Not only a lifestyle, but he talks about a location for our citizenship, and I love this. Uh, our location, verse 20, where is this heaven? Uh, how amazing is that? He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. And, and heaven right now, uh, verse 20 says, for our citizenship is heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. So uh, if, if we're waiting for the Savior here on earth, then where's he at? He's in heaven, isn't he? And we're waiting for him to come. He's there in heaven. So here I go, begin to think about what heaven is. You know, how beautiful heaven is and what kind of place it is. Uh, and I think about the place of heaven. Now, there's a lot the Bible says about what heaven's going to look like. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be eternal. It's going to last forever. It's going to have, you know, the, the city four square in New Jerusalem. is going to have streets of gold. It's going to have gates of pearl. It's going to have certain walls so high. It's going to be beautiful. In the middle of it, it's going to be a garden. The throne of God's going to sit there. And all these things are going to be so elaborate and so incredible and beautiful, our mind can't imagine what those are. And, and so, yet, yet, you know, with great appreciation for the place of heaven, I'm so glad I'm a citizen of it. You know, I think about the program going on in heaven. You know, our church, Garrison Baptist, we have a program. We meet on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays, and other times uh, sporadically throughout the week and month. And so we have a church program. Heaven has a program. And, and heaven's program is, is amazing. Heaven's program really consists around two things, worship and service. And really, I guess worship is service. And vice versa. But, but if we could see heaven, maybe like Isaiah did or John did, that we could see a place right now that's super active with worship. That there's all kinds of things that are, being, uh, are happening in heaven that revolve around glorifying God and, and uh, lifting up His accolades and His name. It happens, well, I was going to say 24-7, but no, 24-7. It happens all the time. Well, it just happens perpetually. That worship and praise of God, and that's the program for heaven. And then, you know, there's this population of heaven. Who's up there? Who's doing all that? Well, you know, for one thing, there's holy angels in heaven. John revealed that in Revelation 4 and 5. There's these angels that are circling the throne of God and crying out, Holy, 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 our our Lord God Almighty. He was and is and is to come. And they're praising God and they're saying all these things and all these words of praise. And, And so we know they're in heaven. 
But we also know there's another group in heaven too, and that's the saved. That's those who put their faith in God and, and who left this life because the Scripture says that if we're absent from this body, we're present with the Lord. So now all of a sudden, this wonderful thing of heaven is, is, is populated by those that God created holy and those that God saved through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Do you know when you get to heaven, you're going to be so special, the angels are going to be interested in you. I, I mean, because, hey, listen, Peter said, he said the angels long to look into our salvation. Why? Because they've never experienced it. We're the blood-bought children of God. No other ones but us have experienced that purchase of Jesus Christ. We're the redeemed of God. And we're, going to be, and we're, we're citizens of heaven. So all those things are exciting. Now listen, I want you to know all that because of this very thing is that, that Jesus is there now, but he's going he's to come here later. <laughs> what does Paul say in verse 20 of the end? He says, also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for him to come. And the scripture describes that. He's coming back to this earth. And listen, the good news is this is that he's coming back to the earth with his citizens. Isn't that great? Listen to what Revelation 19 says. It says, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, and white and clean, followed him on white horses. Revelation's talking about that time when Jesus comes back to this earth. And he brings with him those clothed in white linen. That's you and I. That's those that are redeemed. And we're coming together with him uh, to this earth. So what does he say while we're here on this earth? What are we supposed to do? Wait for him with excitement and enthusiasm. And then if we're taken to heaven before that happens, then we'll come with him with joy and celebration. Now, what does that all mean? What difference does that make? Well, tomorrow's Monday. Probably you're going to get up on Monday morning. Get yourself all prettied up and go somewhere and do your job. And it's the same one you had probably last week. Maybe the week before, the week before, the week before. You're going to go in, you're probably going to see the same people you see each week. Doing the same thing that you're going to do, and you're going to say, oh no, here goes another week. But here's what I want you to do on Monday morning when you get up, I want you to think about heaven. I want you to think about the place that Jesus Christ has prepared for you. And that one day he's going to come and receive you too. I want you to think about his coming. That this may be the day. I may be on my job behind my desk or behind my machine or I may be doing my thing at work and there he comes. Wow. What a great thing. I want to assure you it'll make your Monday better. Uh, if you'll think that way about the location of our citizenship, that we're anchored in heaven. There's no way we're going to miss heaven. Jesus Christ has guaranteed that. So we ought to be excited. And then if you look at verse 21, he talks about the liberty of our citizenship. He says, He will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. You know what? Jesus is saying that He has a plan. He's revealed that plan. 
that he's going to change us. You see, heaven sits a great place, eternal place. We've got to have a body that will match it. We've we got to have something that, that will stay in step with our new home in heaven. And we've been promised that very thing, that we're going to be given a new body, a resurrected body. And listen to what Paul says, who will transform our lowly body, in other words, our common body or this body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body. Down through the years, I've had so many people ask me, Brother Mike, what's our glorified body going to be like? I said, what's the name? In the Bible. I said, what? Where's it in the Bible? What? It says our body will be like His body. So tell me what His body will be like. So after the resurrection, you can see several appearances that Jesus made what he did and how different he was and all those things. And so, uh, you know, I'm just assuming this, that if our body's going to be like his body, and that's what his body was like after the resurrection, then that's what we're going to be like as well. We're going to have a body that lasts. A body that's going to be bound by time, not going to be bound by, by material things, right? Jesus kind of passed in through things. That a body, listen, here's what I'm excited about. Even though we have this glorified body, you think about it, I can handle that. But one thing that I really appreciate about the Bible says about the Lord is that we can enjoy food. <laughs> Jesus ate with the in the glorified body. I'm excited about that. Revelation 19 talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm waiting for that, right? So, so we get all the good and none of the bad. No exercise. Eat what you want to eat. All those kind of things. How wonderful is that? Listen, I'm not making light of our glorified body, but I think it's going to be incredible. So we ought to celebrate that. Listen, we're, 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 we're raised by His power, His power released. That The Bible says that His, the same power that's able to subdue all things. What's He talking about? Able to subdue all things. Listen, when Jesus was here on earth, He subdued everything. The storms that raged, the diseases that racked men's life and men's life. He, he subdued even death, hell, and the grave. Us. That's the power that he has that he's promised that he'll raise us from the dead with. Who are you this morning? I want to tell you who you are. You're a citizen of heaven. You know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You're a citizen of heaven. And you have the great blessing of representing our King as his ambassador here on this earth. You have the great hope and joy of knowing that one day when it's time that you'll be with him in heaven and that you'll experience that place of heaven in this great body that will last and last forever. Bow with me this morning. Let's pray.